Hey everyone, welcome to Unstoppable. My name is Ralph Graves Jr. and my passion is seeing you experience life transformation. Every week on this show, I will bring you inspirational stories of some of the most unstoppable people on the planet. I can't wait to share these stories with you and I hope that you'll share them with your friends. If you're looking to join the Unstoppable community and receive weekly lessons challenging you to live your best life, why don't you join me at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Okay, let's dive in. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. My name is uh, Ralph Graves. I'm so glad to have you guys listening. This is the Unstoppable Podcast with Ralph Graves Jr. If it's your first time tuning in, first of all, I want to say thank you. You could be listening to anybody, but you're listening to me. But let me tell you a little bit about myself. Uh, I'm a retired police officer. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I'm a coach. I pastor a church. I have a, uh, I'm the uh, CEO of the Gulfstream Way Training and Coaching program for emerging leaders. And I'm happy to have you guys listening today, listening today. And um, uh, today's guest is Dr. Nicole Vienna, Dr. Nicole Vienna. But before I bring her on, I'm going to, I'm going to bring, um, I'm going to bring in my friend, my good friend, Seth Silvers to the stage. Seth, are you there, sir? I'm here, Ralph. How are you today? Good, man. How you doing? I, I figure I'd have to I'd talk to you until until Nicole chimes in. How you making out, man? I am doing good. I'm excited for this. Uh, I'm excited for our episode today uh, in the conversation because we're talking uh, with Dr. Nicole Vienna, who is a forensic psychologist. Uh, and so we'll kind of get to hear a little bit about the um, psychology behind what makes somebody unstoppable or the psychology behind what sure. makes somebody stuck. Yeah. 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 That's, I can't wait to talk to her, but I got to tell Seth, I just wanted to introduce you to my audience here and some of you guys may know him and may not know him. Seth Silvers is the CEO and chairman of story on uh, what's it's, I call it story on, but I know it's about success stories and it, what's the official name of your company, Seth? Yeah, no, it's story on. That's, that's yeah, the company. Yeah. We we kind of operate under the success with stories brand yeah, um, yeah, a little yeah. bit, but yeah, story and, on. And Seth has been my friend. Seth has helped me with my project, Unstoppable, and he is in himself unstoppable. And uh, it's just good to have him aboard. But Seth, I'm going to have to I'm going to have to put you on on mute because you know who's here, Doctor Nicole Vienna, Doctor Nicole Vienna. Let me bring her to the stage right now. Dr. Nicole, how are you? Good. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, I'm excited to talk to you. And you are a forensic psychologist. And I think you're important to this program, important to this show. And it's uh, because, you know, we want to talk about getting people unstuck. Why are we? Why do we get stuck? How do we get unstuck? How do we become unstoppable? Unstoppable. But I want to get it. I want to ask you this. So I want to say this to you. I understand that your husband's a police officer. He is. I understand you were one, too. Yes, yes, yes. 20 years. Put 20 well, years in. Thank you for your and, service. And thank your husband for me. Tell him to hang in there. Tell him I know the days are long, but the years are short. So tell him to hang in there. I get it. 
he and I will have to have a side chat, but I get it. Tell him I get it. But, I will uh, tell him that. <laughs> but thank you for, for coming on the program and thank you for um, being who you are and doing um, um, what, what you do. But I want to talk about I want to talk about what you do. I want to I want to I want to kind of start off, share with our audience what, what you do. Tell them because I don't want to get it wrong. Of course. Um, I am a forensic psychologist. So what that means is I am appointed to court cases to evaluate and opine on a psycholegal question. So in simple terms for me, I do a lot of criminal court work. You can do civil work, but I do criminal court work. So I evaluate people that are going through the court process. Uh, So for questions, think of things like competency to stand trial, right? It's your right to know what's going on and go through due process and all those good things. And if you can't because of a mental illness or some other reason, maybe a cognitive deficit, then we have to, the system has to provide you, you know, with some training to get you uh, up to speed so you can go through that process, you know, adequately yeah. and know what's going on. So I come in and evaluate for things like that or for mitigation, you know, mitigation just means that, you know, if you, in criminal court, if you committed a crime, there might be other mitigating factors of why you acted and behaved the way you did. Um, and because I'm a psychologist, it's I'm being retained probably because there's mental health issues at play or, you know, a brain disorder or something like that. So I come in and answer the questions for the judge, give them the information, and then the judge makes the final decision based on the information I provide. Okay. That that, now that's awesome. Nobody grows up wanting to be that. So we got to go back. Right. Like, like, like I would have never, it's awesome. What you do is phenomenal, but I wouldn't have thought about that as a kid. So how your story, how did you get there? How did, how did you come to know that this is my purpose? This is what I love to do because what you do is phenomenal, but how did you get there? You know, growing up, we only hear about, Hey, firefighters, nurses, doctors, police officers, Lord, you know, tell us about your story and how you got to be a forensic psychologist. Well, it started a really long time ago, but I, <laughs> <laughs> I grew I grew up in um, kind of what I call the outskirts of the inner city. So I grew up in uh, the areas of like Harbor City, Wilmington in California, which is, you know, a, a good, you know, 20, 30 minutes down the way from South Central Los Angeles. I like okay. patrolled by school. We had metal detectors just to give you some background of where I went to school at. And mm-hmm. Um, I also grew up with, you know, law enforcement in my family and okay. my, my siblings had, you know, some mental health issues along the way as well. So I had all these things going on in my household, you know, concentrating in school was not always a priority or easy for me. And I was often told, no, uh, you can't do this, you know, by teachers and counselors. And it was just like, oh, well, you're yes. not in a position to do that. And it's like, wow, like, I, this is weird for me. Like, aren't they supposed to be inspiring? And not saying that teachers are not. I mean, just sometimes when you're told no, I was like, wow, that shocked me. And I'm like, I know I see people out there doing things like that I want to do. Like they're able to pay their bills and have a house and have a car. And I know those things are possible, even though my family might be struggling with them or my family had mental illness. And, you know, we might have some issues in our family. These things are possible. And I played sports. As a side note, I played sports. That's how I I think I probably stayed out of trouble. I I played competitive softball and volleyball. And I went through that discipline and, you know, mindset. (laughs) So through through playing sports, I learned, okay, I can have choices. I learned about the power of 
yes, the power of saying yes, the power of saying no. And those three things really helped kind of guide my path. And so using those three principles, I call them the principles of my life, it helped me make decisions that were worth my while. And I was just very determined. And that was because of my mindset and because I didn't want to be told no. I was told no plenty of time. So I focused on that. I I put myself through college. And when people said you probably should go to community college, in hindsight, maybe I should have because it would have been cheaper. But (laughs) (laughs) I went to a four-year, put myself through school, put myself through grad school, paid my way, took out loans um, because I couldn't afford to pay that. And then I uh, came back to California after that was all done. And I got a job because I needed to pay my bills. And important to me. And I worked and went to more grad school at the same time, got my doctorate. And, um, you know, one of my siblings, uh, struggled more than the rest of us. And he kind of was my, one of my big motivating factors. I, I knew what the system was like from the inside because of him. Okay. and okay. that I knew things needed to change. And I wanted to yeah. be part of that change. Hence. Yeah you know, forensic psychology, because you're evaluating defendants. And my brother happened to be a defendant at what point of his life. Actually, he's still going through that at 34 years old, I think, you know, it's, it's a lifelong struggle for some people. So he's one of my motivating factors. And then using, like I said, those three principles really helped me get to where I'm at today. I tell you what, you do great work. I mean, that is just, um, you know, um, folks who have some challenges. I just did, I just did a, I just did a, a video um, with NAMBI, I think it's called. NAMI? National yeah. Alliance for uh-huh. Mental Illness. Yep. Yeah. And, and they, they brought me in at the, you know, on the basis of, of being a pastor, you know, not a police officer, but as, as a pastor. And they were talking to me about the church and this, that, and the other. And I think I kind of, I don't know, I blew their minds, but I, I think um, I kind of helped them see some things. And I, I said, listen, a lot of us in the church, especially in the African-American community, um, we always talk about praying stuff away. Um, that That's nice, but no one who received a miracle received a miracle without first taking action. Okay. And, and so it's one of the things that we have to recognize in our community that, you know, you know, we can't just pray for folk. They need advocates. We have to have, have some action behind our prayers and some action behind really assisting our brothers and sisters. Um, all of them, but, you know, uh, in this case, those, those who might have a, a mental health issue. And, um, so I never even knew a forensic psychologist would be available for someone going through, uh, the system in, in a defense stance to where they need, you know, and so I think the service you provide is just fantastic. Yeah, it I mean, it's fantastic. We're actually retained by the prosecution too. So okay, okay, it's, it's both sides. We we are technically neutral third parties to the court. Okay, uh, when defense hires us, they they may select us and hire us, and you know, depending on the kind of court order they have, you know, they could get a confidential court order, which means if we produce a report or an evaluation that's not favorable for them to have them use in court to help their client, then they typically don't use it. Um, so there's always that, that part of it too, but, um, it is, you know, we are available there to, you know, be able to shine light on these issues and educate the judges and the attorneys in very simple, plain language about what's going on with this person. Wow. Now you've seen a lot of people that have risen out of their circumstances or, or stayed stuck. What do you think contributes to whether or not someone becomes unstoppable or stays stuck where they are? 
I, I know it sounds cheesy, but it really is a, a mindset issue. It's, it's that the termination and you can look at it like in substance abuse, uh, population, okay. Okay. right? How did, yeah. how does one person get sober when the other one doesn't? And they have the same, you know, sort of addiction or same, you know, detrimental point of addiction. They hit those same bottom points, if you will. Um, one person just that you talk to them, they'll tell you they decided at one point they decided. And that point is different for everybody, but they decided once they made that choice, they went from there, but you have to make that choice first. So some for them and for other issues too, but for them, when I talk to those kind of folks, it's like they made the choice that they just wanted something different. They didn't have to have the whole plan, you know, mapped out. They didn't have to have the future made already. They just had to make that initial choice by saying, I don't want where I'm at and I'm open to, to other things. I just want something different. They made that choice. And that's when things are. So it starts with the choice. It starts with that choice by saying, I just don't want to be where I'm at. Yeah. 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 And, and, I, and yeah, I guess, you know, our whole lives are a reflection of the choices we made. So of course I guess that that starts with the choice. I don't want to be here anymore. Um, and, and they start with it. And so the, they pick up the phone, they call you or how does that happen? Well, not me. I'm not a treatment provider, but like they right. will, um, decide, you know, I guess in a, um, I guess in the clinical setting or like in the court setting, they, they may decide like, I don't want this anymore. And they'll, yeah, and yeah. people usually around that are right there willing to help. Yeah. Um, or they'll yeah. see out help somewhere, but usually as long as they say I'm ready, like, I just don't want this. There's going to be plenty of people around you, um, to offer that help. You just have to be willing to some, maybe sometimes, you know, put your ego to the side and accept that help and start from the bottom and go up or go sideways or go just a different direction <laughs> and you're in, you know? Yeah, yeah, of course. So we're talking about the psychology of being unstoppable. That's what we're talking about. The psychology of being unstoppable begins with making a choice. What comes to mind for you? Like, okay, I made the choice. Uh, is it, is it, what, what helps people make that choice? I guess what I'm asking, is it, is it their environment? Because to me, it seems like some folks can make a choice, you know, um, but I think a lot of it has to do with I, I, I'm thinking environment. I'm thinking about what you read, what you put yourself around. What say you what, what comes to mind for you when we talk about the, the uh, uh, psychology of being unstoppable? I would say that they're um, deciding that they're probably too comfortable or they're just they're not they're uncomfortable. So. You know, the concept of comfort, um, when you want to keep going forward, like, are you comfortable where you at and are you okay with being there or are you uncomfortable and you want to move? So I think like in business too, um, running my practice has been such a tall order because I don't have a business background and I did lean on my husband for some help, but, um, you know, cause he has a business background, but okay. I had to decide like, am I okay with being where I'm at or do I want to do more? And do I want to, and for me, I wanted to serve more. And so how could I serve more if I'm, you know, in this place, am I reaching the people I want to reach? And I had, I I said, no, I'm not. I want to reach more people. How can I do that? Well, I was becoming a little bit, you know, uncomfortable for a while. And I said that this is a good thing though. This is a good thing that I'm uncomfortable because it's going to motivate me to move. You're absolutely right. I mean, complacency is is terrible, you know, because you'll get to that place. All right, you got motivated to move. And then, you know, I actually caught myself. 
um, I, I actually caught myself being cool with comfort. And I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Being complacent didn't get me here. Effort got me to where I am. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to I had to really start putting effort behind some things. And so you're absolutely right. It could be complacency. It could be uh, fear. It could be I'm satisfied. I, I don't. Will you ever be satisfied? I don't think I'll ever be satisfied. That's that's a, that's an existential crisis that I think a lot of us face. <laughs> yeah. Will I ever be satisfied? Um, yeah. You can be. You definitely can be. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I think vacations. I think self care is cool, but I can't stay there. Like I can't. I, I, you know, we live in the social media age, and everybody posts their vacation and where they are and these great. Com- you know, we get the highlight reel. I can't stay there. Like I don't know about you. I can't stay on vacation longer than a week. I have to get back at it. I hear you. I, I definitely have a hard time going on vacation. It's very anxiety provoking for me because I run my practice and I have people that I want to get to and uh, serve and being on vacation means I'm away from that. But I also have to work on that and I have to yeah. really evaluate that and say, why am I so addicted to my work? What am I yeah. like, you know, and make sure that that's not serving a malfunction for me. I'm glad that we came to this place because my next question is this. So I'm a stranger and I come to you and I'm asking you this question. I'm saying, what are the main things I can do today to change my mindset to become unstoppable? Doctor, I, I don't know. I don't know how to be, I don't know how to motivate. I don't know how to get, I don't know how to become unstoppable. How do I, what are some of the things I can do today? First step is you have to make that decision. I, I would ask you, do you want to become unstoppable? Are you ready? Do you want to? Oh, I'm ready. You I'm ready. So you ready? <laughs> yeah. Okay, you ready? So once you say yes, okay, are you willing to do what it takes? Yeah, yeah. And then yeah. here's, you know, and then I go through the three things that um, I know you said to me, but that's, uh, did you say three or was that just in my head? <laughs> that was just in your head. I didn't say anything about three, but we'll, we'll run with it. I could say I said three. Go ahead. Yeah, you said, you, you, you asked me what are the steps. So, I mean, make the choice that you <laughs> want to be unstoppable. That's the first thing. And right. then the second thing is, are you willing to do what it takes? Not everyone's willing to do what it takes. And if you are, then I would say the three things that I have you know, lived my life by that help me make decisions are understanding the power of no, when to say it and how helpful it can be. So saying no means you're saving time for yourself to rejuvenate, you know, self-care, recharge, right? We need that. Yeah. Also using the power of saying yes. So don't be afraid to say yes to things that are scary, that are uncomfortable, uh, that are challenging. Don't be afraid to, to you know, move forward and take those opportunities. So power of yes. Yes will get you so many things. I tell you what, you are speaking my language. You are speaking my language. Don't be afraid of being uncomfortable. Don't be afraid of doing new things. Don't be afraid of doing something different. But, you know, I I, I expect this from somebody who paid their way through college. You didn't know I knew that. Paid your way through college. Didn't apply for any scholarships. That takes somebody with a certain mindset. You know, why didn't you apply for any scholarships? I applied for every scholarship I could get and didn't get any. But, um, <laughs> you know, you know. That's a long story, but it's just, just the way I felt the, the counselors were kind of coming at me like I was, um, you know, less than or something. Like they were just like, oh, well, you're Hispanic. Oh, you're Native American, too. Oh, well, yeah. if you want to go to university, then you're just going to have to apply for a scholarship. Like I couldn't go there because I got there on my own. Like, right. so it, just, it was very hard headed of me. 
you know, obviously I said, looking back, you know, maybe going to community college would have been better to save a lot of money in the first place. But, you know, I was very determined. I was just very determined to prove people wrong. Well, I, I think that worked out for you. I mean, you know, I think it worked out. I think I read a book long time ago called The Dark Side of Leadership. Like we all have these motivating factors uh-huh. that uh, even against better judgment, that's the dark side of it. I'm going to do it because you said I couldn't do it. That's why I'm going to do it. You know, and uh, you grew up in a rough environment. Twenty five percent of your high school graduate, only twenty five percent of your high school. And you were determined. And, see, and so you you have a long history of being determined, of being, you know, I'm going to prove it right. This is not going to happen to me. Right. I'm not going to be a statistic. Right. And so now was that, was that an environment that you grew up in? Was that as far as your family? Was that something that was cultivated through mom, dad, aunts, uncles, whoever raised you? Was that cultivated there? Um, no, my family, I mean, was generally supportive in their own way. Um, There was a lot of dysfunction within my household, I would say, because of the family dynamics. Okay. But my environment, largely where I went to school in the area, it's just, it's a different kind of a area. It's, it's the outskirts of the inner city, you know? So um, there is a lot of, you know, gang violence and like I went to metal detectors at school and like shootings at school. And these are things that I think where I live now, um, you know, this is a, it's a very different area. It's very, what we would call privileged, right? A very privileged area. Cause I I sometimes go with my husband because we grew up very differently and I'm like, wow, like, you know, you grew up like very privileged, right? He's like, oh yeah, I know. And like, you know, he's traveled the world and done things and seen things, you know, obviously officer, but it's very different. And so I knew that there were other things out there. I just didn't, you know, I had to explore and figure that out on my own because I, all I saw was what was around me, but you know, I, you know, to get back to your question, my family was generally supportive, but I think it was the environment I was in and and the environment can be really toxic and it can be, you know, you are a product of your environment sometimes. So, you know, there are only some kids that, really latch on to teachers or other mentors, right? To get themselves out of that environment because it's all. Sure, sure. sure. But you had a certain mindset and and you made it out and, um, you know, you showed some others coming behind you or some that that were right along with you that, Hey, it was a choice. It was a choice to, 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 to make it on out and and make it up and, and get, get back to what, uh, or get to being who you were created to be. Now, how many times do people ask you when we talk about forensic psychology, how many people really believe that, you know, this is like a CSI thing and you have to correct them and say, no, this is not it. This is not television, not CSI. 98% of people, (laughs) (laughs) including students that want to get into the field. I get so many emails and, phone calls from potential students or early career psychologists that are like, I want to go into forensic work. And how often do you work with detectives? And do you profile? Can we solve crimes? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like go be a police officer then. FBI not, you know, you want to be a profiler. You can go work for the FBI as a special agent, but they actually don't have jobs called profilers. Right. And you don't need to. That's just a TV show called profile. It's not a job. It's not the actual job. I know. Hollywood makes it seem um, so glamorous. Yeah. So we don't hang. Yeah. I remember that. Long, you know, we don't do that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, um, yeah, Hollywood, I I tell you, you know, your husband will tell you being a police officer, um, they they thought that uh, in 24 hours I would have the answer to what happened to them or who did it. it. That's, 
that's not the way it works. It, this investigation is going to take 18 months before we get, before we find out what's what, you know, but um, I, I really, I, let me bring Seth back up. Seth, unmute yourself. If you would, buddy, if he's still there. It's, uh, I'm here. <laughs> hey man, this is phenomenal. And I, I know, and I, I, I could, I could hear the wheels of your mind turning. I know you have a couple questions for her as well. Shoot doctor. I do yeah. a couple questions. Go ahead, brother. Yeah, I do have some questions. And I also wanted just to invite anybody in the audience um, who has questions where we've kind of been talking about the psychology behind yes. being unstoppable the psychology behind why some people stay stuck and some people move forward in their life. And, um, you know, I'm curious, you know, going way back, you kind of mentioned like, you know, all of your family didn't take your path. Um, when you and I talked a week ago, you even said, you know, kind of getting over, like, like really having to step into your own journey was a big piece of your story. Mm -hmm. Um, what, like, when do you remember kind of like having that shift in your mind to where you were like, I'm going to go on a different path than the other people around me? Like, was there some things that happened or was there like a moment you remember where you remember thinking like, okay, I'm going to go, I'm going to go on a different path or have you just thought that way as long as you can remember? I think growing up in some of the chaos I did, I definitely didn't have it as bad as some of my other siblings. So they had some other factors going on that I didn't, but we were all in the same environment. And I think that I'm the firstborn. So there's all kinds of psychology about birth order too, right? Like firstborn, most responsibilities, you know, maybe sometimes not always, but I think I took on to that personality of, um, when my parents couldn't be where they, you know, might've wanted to be or needed to be for the family. I think I stepped in and I started becoming a caretaker to my younger siblings and assuming those responsibilities. So it really just made me, I guess, parentified as a child, unfortunately, but it also led me to the mindset that I have. That's another thing. And I took that on very early when I was probably like eight to 10 years old. And I continued with that and knew that I just had a lot of responsibility in life and this was going to be my path and I was going to make it happen. And it was okay. I mean, I definitely had to go do my own therapy for many years and, and, you know, kind of wrestle, you know, with the, the demons and work some things out. And, um, I'm really glad I took the path I did, but it was when I was eight to 10, I just, I kind of knew like, this is my role in life and this is, this is how it's going to be. And I, and I was okay with that. Right. We're, we're certainly glad you took the path you did. <laughs> I tell you that. We're certainly glad you did. I mean, you, I know you are making a major impact in your community. Um, and, and doing what you do. Thank you. One more, one more question I have for you, Nicole. And oh. yeah, that's a great answer. And I think that, yeah, there, there's a lot that I can relate to with that. But as you, um, as you look towards some of the people that you've worked with, um, even just some of the people you interact with, and, you know, obviously I know there's confidentiality that you, you have to maintain. Um, mm -hmm. So I don't expect you to break any privacy or HIPAA laws or anything. Um, but with that, like mindset is so, it's something that's becoming talked about more often, which is great. And it's hugely valuable. And I grew up in a community where mindset was kind of, you know, looked at a little bit different. It was like, why do you need to work on mindset? You just need to pray. 
Um, and so <laughs> sounds like the same community. Yeah, that I grew up in. <laughs> yeah, I, I just didn't grow up in an African American church, Ralph. Uh, right, right. It's but, same thing. Yeah, right. uh, and so I think that mindset is huge, but it, like there's still a role that tactics play into it, and mm-hmm. so. When do we like, what does that process look like in really like with what you've seen and some of the people you've worked with? What does that process look like of yes, having the mindset, but also that transferring into the tactics. And again, to the audience, I want to just mention if any of you have any questions or comments about anything we're talking about or for Dr. Nicole, we'd love to have you on stage. But yeah, help us understand like, how do we transition from the mindset to the tactics? Well, I think that if you have that mindset and like we said, just making that decision that you want to do something different or that you want to have something, whatever it is for you, when you make that decision, the mindset that you adopt is going to shape the behaviors that you do. So if you have that mindset, then it's just about following through. Those behaviors will follow. Um, so you could do that in many different ways, but if you believe you can do something and you actually set your mind to it, and I know, again, that sounds cheesy, but, and you're going to do what it takes to get it, your, your behaviors will reflect that you're going to do things that follow that mindset. So that's why making that choice in the first place is so important because some people look at things and they're like, Oh, it's out of my reach. Oh, I can't have this. And I, I ask, why not? You know, I mean, why not? And then, then they give a list of a laundry list of excuses, right? And then it's like, well, to play devil's advocate, I'm going to challenge each and every one of those. And sometimes it may come down to like, well, are you not willing to, you know, get up at 6 a.m.? Are you not willing to put in an extra hour here? Are you not willing to just pick up the phone and call two people to ask them, you know, for things or for help or for advice? It's you not willing. So then we kind of challenge you know, those thoughts. And once you challenge the thoughts, right, then that's going to change your behavior. Yeah, that's great. It, it, it's a it's a cognitive behavioral principle. We're going back to like behavior modification and like operant conditioning. You know, like B.F. Skinner. I don't know if you guys have heard of that guy. Uh, groundbreaking experience back in the day with rats, right? Where the rat was placed in a box called Skinner's box, and the box had some sort of lever on it. Then the rat crawled around, right, because it was hungry. It's kind of looking for food, and somewhere in that maze, the rat accidentally touches that lever, right? And the lever drops down food. So then the rat gets the food and then it learns, right? That if it pushes the lever, it's going to get the food. And then it just repeats it because now it's being conditioned. This is how I get food, right? I'm going to keep going and keep going. Wow. Um, so it, it kind of, you know, our decision to make that choice, have that kind of growth mindset, if you will, um, leads to behaviors that will follow. This is all based on like, you know, behavior modification from back in the day. This is innate in us. You just have to, you know, you just have to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And uh, Ralph, one more comment before I kind of pass it back to you. I I actually listened to this podcast episode. I'm mentioning I'm on my third time listening to it this week. So it was so good. And it was on the Ed Milet show and he was interviewing, um, I can't remember the guy's name, but he's, uh, he's been like a coach and a trainer. He's been, he was like a trainer for Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant and a bunch of other high performance athletes. And Ed Milet asked him, he said, were Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant the most talented basketball players you worked with? And he said, not even close. 
And he said again, he's like, so you're saying that Michael Jordan was not the most physically gifted person you've ever worked with? And he said, no, not even close. It was their mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And it's just so, so interesting. So yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. And Ralph, I'll pass back to you. Well, you know, we talk about that all the time. Mindset is everything in the in the past guests that we've had on the Unstoppable program. And I think that's really becoming the um you know, the the main course in this in this meal of being unstoppable. You have to make up your mind. You have to make up your mind that you want better, that you're going to receive healing, I'm, I'm, that, that you want to save more money, that you want to do things. You have to make whatever it is that you really want to do. If you want to be remarkable, you have to make up your mind to do it, to bring about change in your life. I thank you so much for being on this show, doctor. I, I really thank you for taking out your time and spending the last 30 minutes with us and you didn't have to do it, but you did. Thank you so much. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. If someone wants to reach out and contact you, how, how can they get a hold of you, uh, doc? I have a website. It's www.vpg-corp.com. My email's on there. My phone number's on there. Uh, you can Google me, Dr. Nicole Vienna. I have a billion different links that'll pop up to my website or Vienna Psychological Group. You can uh, find my website on Google. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for being transparent. Thank you for sharing your story. Thank you most of all for being unstoppable. Guys, you've been listening to the Unstoppable program. My name is Ralph Graves Jr. We're going to do it again next week. But in the meantime... Let's all be unstoppable together. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Nicole, for being on the show. Thank you, Seth, for jumping on with me. And thank you for all the listeners. I'll see you guys again next week. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this unstoppable conversation. I want to make a special invitation to you to join the conversation. Every week, we record these conversations live on Fireside. It's a platform that gives you the opportunity to engage with and ask questions to your favorite podcast live. If you want to join us on Fireside and ask our guests the questions you have about their story, head to firesidechat.com backslash Ralph Graves Jr. and click request access. This is your chance to join the interview. Also, guys, I want to invite you to join the Unstoppable community at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Every week I share challenging lessons and reflection questions so that you can see the transformation in your life that you know is coming. If you can take just 30 minutes of your week to reflect on these questions, I guarantee you'll be on your way to living the unstoppable life you were made for. Join me at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Unstoppable with Ralph Graves Jr.